chapter six of the captain's story this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c the captain's story by william s martin chapter five colder and louder blew the wind a gale from the northeast the snow fell hissing in the brine and the billows frothed like yeast down came the storm and smote amain the vessel in its strength she shuddered and paused like a frighted steed then leapt her cable's length longfellow when i was at the university i indeed became accustomed to low society but when i came to hear the conversation of some of the sailors on board my hair stood on end with horror i would have given anything to have been employed in some way so that i might have avoided hearing all day long the terrible oaths of these wicked men compared with whom i seemed to myself to be a very model of excellence but as i had neglected the study of mathematics when i had the opportunity i had not sufficient knowledge of the principles of navigation to be employed in anything but manual labor our ship was freighted for batavia so that i had no hope of any change for the better in my miserable condition for a long time and my wretchedness reached its height when i was told that on our arrival i should be compelled to join a regiment of dutch troops no life indeed could be less to my taste than that of a soldier on account of the strict discipline which is always enforced in the army it was however decreed that we should never reach our destination soon after we crossed the line a sudden and violent gale drove our vessel out of her course and for two days and nights we were driving at the mercy of the wind no sooner had we succeeded in making some little way against this gale than a violent tempest arose and we were obliged to devote all our attention to saving the ship around the ship the sea and sky were enveloped in thick darkness broken by repeated flashes of lightning which served only to show us the danger of our position at one moment the vessel rose on the tops of the immense mountain-like waves and the instant after plunged down into a vast hollow leaving the water standing up around us like a wall while one party of the sailors were trying in vain to furl the sails the rest were kept busy at work at the pumps by this time the hold was half full of water and every moment we were expecting the ship to go to pieces as her timbers were too old and rotten to bear the strain upon them soon we lost all hope of saving the ship and the crew ceased making any further exertions 
every one seeking for some means of saving his own life the vessel then began to settle deeper and deeper in the water and soon after disappeared beneath the waves before this however i had thrown myself into the sea and was then clinging to a part of the mast which had been washed away several of the crew beside myself had sought for safety in a similar way but when the sky grew a little lighter and i was able to look around me i could see no one i seemed to be the only survivor the storm continued to rage furiously all night and it was with difficulty that i managed to keep on the slippery spar which was now my only support all night long amid the howling of the tempest i seemed to hear my father's words ringing in my ears i tried to pray but remorse was busy in my heart and conscience kept repeating to me why did you not return to your father like the prodigal son when you knew he was ready to forgive you and to receive you with outstretched arms at length this terrible night the longest i have ever passed through came to an end and when at last daylight returned i was very thankful to see close by me a large rock which i managed to reach though not without great difficulty benumbed as i was with passing the night in the water i clung eagerly to it and after resting a while dragged my weary limbs as high above the water as i could and gazed eagerly out over the wide expanse of sea for a long time however i looked in vain for any signs of help but at length to my great joy i descried a sail far away in the distance apparently making towards me i was so weak and faint with my long immersion that although this sight seemed to put a new life in me it was as much as i could do to clamber up to the top of the rock and my hands and feet were much cut by the sharp shells and edges of rock i scarcely noticed this so great was my eagerness to make a signal to the ship i had seen and to let those on board know that on this solitary reef there was a poor shipwrecked mariner i had of course no means of making a fire so i at once pulled off my shirt and waved it in the air as the only way i had to make myself seen all was in vain the ship was too far off to notice my signal and instead of coming nearer as i had hoped she tacked round on another course and gradually disappeared in the distance as the vessel slowly faded away from my sight i sank down on the rock in despair my situation was indeed desperate the small rock on which i was was only about fifty yards in circumference and had nothing but a little moss and seaweed growing on it it is true there were a few shellfish clinging to it but i knew it would be impossible for me to support myself long on them and besides 
I had not a drop of water. I feared that I had only escaped death by drowning, to perish more miserably still by starvation. But even in this extremity, God's goodness was watching over me, although I had so long despised and forgotten him. Suddenly a breeze sprang up from the westward, and I had the unspeakable joy of seeing the very ship which had passed in the morning heave in sight once more. Again I waved my shirt in the air, and made every signal I could think of, and, after a long time, what was my delight to see that I was observed. A boat was soon lowered, and half an hour afterwards I found myself on board the good ship Morning Star, homeward bound to England from India. The captain received me very kindly, and supplied me with some dry clothes, giving me at the same time a good meal, of which I stood much in need. The anxiety and exposure I had undergone, however, made me quite ill, and for three or four days I was under the doctor's care. On my recovery, I was obliged to work my passage home, and this employment became so distasteful to me that I quite lost all my love of roving, and made up my mind, if once I got safely on shore, never again to set foot on board a ship. End of chapter 6 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.